0: Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to a new episode of Tinker Talk, the series in which we answer questions inspired by the last chapter of our book, Tinker. In this episode, you're going to hear from myself, Phil Brown, Chris Danboys, Lisa Hunt, and Jim Grout. Enjoy! When you have seen an activity many times how do you manage your own expectations with when each group is going to be so different so when you have seen an activity many times how do you manage your expectations when each group is going to be so different
1: i think it's like teaching in general like if let's say you teach math which i would not ever want to do but if you did you have to be in the people that are learning it so i think in that instance it's always for them it's their first time doing this experience. So if you truly are into their experience, then not an issue. I mean, how could we all do what we've done for the length of time that we have if we weren't finding newness in the people as compared to the activity? Because the activities are just the activities. And you know, it's like you put in the Tinker Book, Lisa, about the, the constant search for what's a new activity or more activities. And, you know, it's an endless search. I mean, it's it I don't think this ever would be satisfying. It's it's like buying a lot of things or something. But See, to see the joy in people's experience in their eyes and whatever that might be, that that's really satisfying.
2: Yeah, the image that that brought up for me right then when you were speaking about that, Jim, was teaching people self-belayed climbing for the first time. It's a pretty standard procedure in our industry. We've all done it hundreds if not thousands of times ourselves and taught lots of people to do it. But each person's experience around becoming unroped becoming independent in their own safety and their own movement from some people. It's a very freeing experience. Other people, it feels extremely scary, but managing each of those people and helping them get to a place where they know more about how to do that or manage themselves within that is really exciting sometimes. So I agree. It's about that person's experience in the moment or that team's experience if they're doing an activity as a group, but yeah, what are they getting out of it in that moment really makes the difference and allows you to be present, even though you may have done an activity a million times.
1: It's like that look on their face when you're rappelling and they go from standing up straight to leaning back and trusting that this is I'm going to catch them. And everybody has that twinkle of fear and then a twinkle in their eye like, oh my word, it really works. And I think that's, that's sort of that sweet spot.
3: I got some feedback from a colleague early on in my career, uh, Jason Seaman, who's at UNH now. And he and I did a multi-day workshop together and we sat down and just, you know, gave each other some thoughts. And he said, Lisa, I want you to practice uh, making it appear to the group that you are expert in that this activity has never been done with you before. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well... You need to, like, give them confidence that you know how the activity works, but that there's never, ever, ever been a group like this. And he made it to sound like, it's just, just try that. But it was such a great piece of feedback, and I've always kept that with me of, like, I mean, everyone has their personality, right? Some of you, I think, can really be like, well, the last group I had, you know. And there's, like, again, context for that kind of joking. But for me, I, I really, literally try to erase the expectations, like like a dry erase board, like erase, okay, next group. And so if I know how the activity usually functions, what are the physical things that it brings up, like oh, this one is a little, this cable's loose here, so be careful to spot. I don't my expectations are completely brand brand new formed for every group. And I think because I try to communicate that in the words that I choose, I think my expectations follow. Like even in a training environment, like I won't say, like, well, most groups have this experience. Like, I just try. I think based on that comment from Jason so many years ago, I try not to talk about that. And I also think it also helps the group dial down the like, are we are we good? Are we in the best you know, room, give the us our evaluation. Ever, yeah. And I get that because I've certainly asked that question. But um, yeah, and I think I've been really inspired by watching Ryan and Anne Louise take a lot of the expectations that are baked into activities out, like the way that they do mass pass, or it's like where can I soften the structure of the activity so that the outcome will be even a surprise to me, you know? Because there's very few activities where we're looking for a very specific outcome, and when we do those activities, they're selected very intentionally, like cycle time puzzle or something like that.
0: When I was uh, starting out, I did... And I had outdoor ed sites do this all the time, especially if you're new, they teach you 10 activities and they're the only 10, you know, so you do, rec- you do them so often. It's like one of them was helium hoop and that's like, we know the outcomes of that aren't always the best and that they, leads to frustration, but to teach it as like your first thing that you've ever taught as a practitioner, like that's not a great practice. You're not, you're doing that with every single group that comes in. So for the, but when I learned more, I like cut it from my repertoire completely because it, I was, I was bored with seeing the outcome and the outcome always being negative. I thought like, what is the point of this activity? And I've recently done it again. Like I brought it back i realized the value of it. Now I know what the outcomes are. And there is a cool moment to it. There's like that kind of like every time it lifts, there's that face that people are very confused. That's kind of cool. Um, so it's like there is a there is a using of stuff that has a different outcome that rather than me being bored and always seeing them, but I do hear from people like a lot of people who say they want new stuff is because they're bored, and then I think like, well, how are you rating what your choices of activity is it all about you? Like if it has to be new for you every time, like that you're you're never going to be able to run an effective program if every time you do a program you're doing new activities. So there's got to be repetition so you get good at it. So for me, I use activities the same, but I've got a script in my head. And that works. I know they work and I can adapt them to the group, but it makes me comfortable as a facilitator. It makes my day work better if I use stuff that I know there are a thousand timers, like the ones I've done a thousand times. So it's like ingrained in me rather than using new all the time. But there was, I did this, I've done this a couple of times of activities. I was fortunate to go to be able to see like Carl's, one of Carl Ronke's last ever workshops. And the thing I was struck by in it, and I don't know if, he always did this, but he certainly did it when he was doing that workshop. He, in in the framing of the activity, he sort of suggested that was the first time he'd also done the activity. He sort of invited you in this thing, like, "Hey, everyone, do you want to try this with me?" Like, I don't think I've ever tried this before, and I know that he's probably done that. That's that, all that, made up, exactly. In <laughs> a good way, right? yeah. But I think that's yeah. part of the thing that creates that energy around like it's new like you're on you're a part of his adventure that you sort of want to get involved more so I've used it a couple of times I found it as, at work the times that I've tried it with stuff like I've never done this activity before I actually did a the same activity four different workshops at conferences and I said this is the first time I've ever done this but thank you for being like I said that four times so luckily no one was the same people but but I liked the like the feel of of that because it did feel like invitational. So that their expectations were were good. I mean, it like leading just to a, to a sub uh, question, as I was thinking about this, how do you all deal with uh, participants who have seen activities before? Because you're often going to get like people who say, oh, we've done this one, we've seen this one before. When we went to Holbur, or when we went, like we did this before, and it's part of your agenda, it's part of your plan, it's going to hit their goals. What what do people do? Do you still go with it? Do you frame it slightly different, or do you just skip it? I throw
1: throw them out of the workshop. Yeah.
2: Well, good. You're out. Get out. Yeah,
1: you're out of the game.
2: If one person says, "Hey, I've seen this before," I often say to the group, "How many of others have have done this activity before?" I just sort of get a sort of get a read on the group. Is it just one person, or is it? Multiple, Because if it's just one person, I'll often just in the process after I brief it, we'll pull them to the side and say, hey, and then what I often say is you have more information perhaps than others. You have a choice about how to use that. And that could be used in many multiple ways. You could be very demanding and steer how this goes or you could be more open to outcomes. Or you might just be a rich source of information that at the right moment really lets the group shine with this. So you have choices and I just say that to them. And let it go. Well, if it's about the
1: people, not the activity. I mean, right. you could overdo an right. activity and say, if, if, if you're going to do 10 activities and everybody's done them, then that's foolish. Why, why do that? Depends on the nature of the what you're trying to achieve. But I think to be able to engage people in the people part, you know, so it's whatever goes on with the people, it's just that we've all say it's just an educational tool as a means to an end, unless you're trying to teach people 100 games, in which case just keep firing away <laughs> right. and give, give it to them. <laughs> I think trying to, same as you're saying, kind of get them engaged at a level that's, you know, well, it's about this group, these people, uh, go with it. A lot of times I think when people do that too, it's their own, and we've all seen it, you know, a little bravado about how you want to sure show how much you know kind of thing. And, you know, you have to be gracious and go with that as well. I and mean, we've probably all done that at some point or another ourselves in one way. But I think trying to, you know, get them more into the group part than uh, the activity part.
3: Yeah, Shelley Gibson from Chewanke said, it was such a great line. I wish I'd recorded it. It was like, well, it's experiential learning, so why would you only do it once? You know, And it's like, right, so you learn a math thing, you do worksheets, you have homework, you have exams, you do that over and over. Like, why do we think that adventure games are like the single solitary experience? And it was, we were talking, she was quoting herself in a story she was saying to me, and it was just such a great line of like, I mean, I don't speak sarcastically to participants, but I I keep that like, well, great. So maybe this experience is going to teach you a different lesson this time. You know, and again, it it totally depends on, as you're saying, Chris, like what are the goals? Are you trying to teach them activities? So typically if I'm training folks in activities, I'll say how many other people know this activity? And then is it useful to your program? Would you like to learn more activities like this? You know, so just to get a sense. And I find that if I set the tone in a games workshop of like, Share what you know already so that you're not at the end of the day like this was great, but we knew 80% of the game. It's like you right. got to know that in, in real time. But I think that idea of like what's well, experiential learning? Why are we only going to do it once is like <laughs> it's such like a, a no brainer. Like, like a football team never
1: doing the same play twice.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And how many
1: plays they have, I, I think about two. But sorry to all the football yeah, fans out there. The but.
3: I know. <laughs> watching hockey, and, and Jim was like, this is what's going to happen. He's going to go here, Pasternak's going to do this, and then sure enough, and I'm like, that play works for them. Like, keep doing it. Sure. I'm not it sure just, if I used the right names. No,
1: that was pretty good, I actually.
3: Yeah. We Wait, waited all day to quote Bruins.
1: He'll be flattered.
3: <laughs> I think
0: the the uh, other thing that I was thinking is like the prep before the program. So when we, we've had some programs come in, we often ask them if they've done anything before, and that gives us – Information. This also leads on to the mistake question slightly, but I remember I did a uh, a one-day all-staff program, and I had planned to do an Ubuntu sequence. Pretty standard that I would do that. They were inviting High Five. That's our product. I thought, oh, I'll do Ubuntu. But we forget sometimes how how it's out there. <laughs> many people have bought them. That's the point. So they might use them because they're a good tool. They don't just save them for when we come and work there. And I did a sequence and it was only until after that sequence. No one told me. So I can't, own, I, I can't own some of this, but at the very end, they were like, oh yeah, yesterday we had our director led us through these exact same activities. I said, I just spent like 45 minutes repeating something that someone else had done and you paid me to come out. It's like, it's at the time it was like, oh, I felt terrible, but but knowing that, like, ask, knowing to ask those questions now, I always ask, like, have you done anything before? If even when I'm doing camp trainings, because they'll often do team development stuff leading up, and they may have done stuff that I taught them the year before. So especially if I'm going the next year, it means I have to stay fresh. It's not because I don't think it's a good experience or I don't think it's good learning. It's just li- very literal that I just taught them that. So it makes sense that they should be using it in the year, and I'm, they're not just waiting for that one time that fills around again. Well, school
1: for—I'm sorry—school no. for international, international training. We, we finally got wise over after about fifteen years. Tell us what you've done, <laughs> because they would do some of our things as warm-ups back at the campus before they arrived here for the day. Well, there is a big bag of tricks, so we can do different stuff. But when we didn't know it, sometimes the exact same thing would yeah. would play out. I think the opposite sometimes we had—we a, a, were just in Boston doing a job with a company and in the planning stages. Of, you know, one of the people would say, "Like, really want to use this initiative." And it, because their experience with it was good, but that didn't necessarily mean that was the, the activity or initiative that was going to fit for that particular day. And it was just they were they had a great experience with it, they loved it, they wanted to do it again. It's like peek with kids, right? You could do that every day of the year, 180 days in a school, and they'd say, do it one more. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think there is value though sometimes in, in in us doing things that they might have seen once before, and not, and I'm not suggesting in the fact that. Whoever did it initially did it poorly, but they did it differently. And seeing it facilitated differently, I suspect if we all did the same Ubuntu sequence, it would feel differently based on the audience and the outcomes we're going after, even though it might be the same four exact activities. And yeah, and I think, it's a, I think it's a perfect opportunity for them to reflect on how are they presenting it themselves and for what reason. So, seeing it multiple times is not a, in, in a training context, isn't a bad thing. If you're going back to the same sixth grade class and doing the same activities over and over. Well, I was kind of shocked
0: when I did the Ubuntu workshop at the symposium. We just don't have it on the symposium docket that often because we just assume that if they come into a high five symposium, they've probably seen it before. But like I had. 20, 30 people in that group, and most of the stuff I did, they owned the deck, but they'd never seen him. And I thought I was using the classic things that I always do. So I think sometimes we do make assumptions that I've shown them this thing, but we have a book that has 32 activities. How many of people in this circle right now have you done all 32 activities in that book? (laughs) So so it's one of those, I think we do make some assumptions on what people have seen based on some product stuff. But
2: I think also it's our full-time job. Adventure for some people, even if you're a summer camp counselor who's whos who's working on a challenge course, you get six weeks, you get five days per week that's thirty days you you get a small slice of the year that you're doing these things so it's not like our frame of reference is off, I think because we do so much of this work all the time
3: I think so and we're I'm excited for the tinker workshop it's free August nineteenth there's still room.
0: Quick side note that the Tinker Workshop has been and gone. Thank you to those who attended. It was a lot of fun. And back to the episode.
3: Um, We're going to explore a lot more of this, you know, in terms of like how do we respond when people say say that exact question? And it just reminds me of this concept we teased out in my last open enrollment, this collective novelty. So all of I agree with so much of everything I just heard. And I'll also say on the other side of it, it is so delightful to see a group doing something for the very first time when it's literally never been like you t- I took up my comet balls and they were like no way they like I had to call them in for dinner like it was just and it's not about me like oh, I'm a genius they have this thing although I mean there is some ego involved sometimes but it's it is it is delightful to, I think to watch a group collectively explore something brand new like that's just joyful I think adventure
1: basic workshops are so much fun for that reason, because it's like first year students coming in and don't even know about adventure and sky's the limit in terms of exciting them. You know, yeah.
0: That's often why I bring out the Lycra tube. (laughs) I bring it out like every so often I'll bring it out of the bag. It serves not much purpose for a program other than exactly that. It's going to be something they've probably not seen. And it's one of those just I'm giving them their experience and that's the purpose of it. I'm not even expecting they buy one for themselves because that locker isn't particularly cheap. So it's like I have no expectation you're doing this or using this in any way other than I'm just going to do it because it's kind of fun.
3: It's true. And I think, yeah, my shift, my thinking has really shifted, especially since Tinker came out of like I don't owe it to anyone to show them brand new stuff. Like that pressure is I, – I, I, there's a place for that and I don't have to respond to it. And when a group can experience something brand new together, it serves the function of that group. It helps them develop to another place.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much, everyone. It's been cool. Thanks, Phil. Can I
1: knock on
3: the a table now? fun. Though?
0: We can round Yeah. Ooh, that's, that's kind of violent. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.
2: Thanks for listening. And do it again. Thanks for listening.
0: And can you say, uh, thanks for listening to High Five?
2: Thanks for listening to High Five.
0: <laughs> and then what about, thanks for listening to High Five's podcast? Can you do it?
2: Okay, try. Thanks for giving think a good guy. guy.